Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Sonu, who you got, 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 who you got
Stories. 
of light Blow smoke in the face of darkness Set fires to burn up the night Tell her and tell all your stories Be a miracle of light Canto es dinam No canto nik masam Kibor in the yad chaloshim Rabbi biyad biyad I'll be a nest nest I'll be a bright light I'll be a Shema koilenu, 
נחשוב לציון, נחשוב לציון, נחשוב לציון, אין קודשנו. שלך של ההר בן דוי, פינגול עינינו. ונשלוי פה, ביד רמור, פה ביד רמור. Thank you. 
JM in the AM. Hanukkah Anthem. Cole Zimra, Sam Glazer and company. Pretty good, huh? Good song. Hanukkah's fast approaching. Sunday night we'll be celebrating the big holiday. Oh, yes. Uh, let's see. You heard the Hanukkah anthem. Before that, uh, Hanukkah from Hooked on Hanukkah. Bohemian Hanukkah from 613. Birkat HaOreach from Ohad. Eitan Freilich with Ivdu. Star Wars Hanukkah from 613. Ellie Marcus with Chavivi. Eighth Day with Miracle of Light. Chaverim done by Michal Przanski. Keep Alive with Alanisim and Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos on this December 20th, the 22nd of Kislev. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayeshev, candle lighting at 411 in the New York area. 411, make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, this Shabbos will bench Rosh Chodesh, and Rosh Chodesh Teves will be next Shabbos and next Sunday. Yeah, Shabbos Sunday Rosh Chodesh in the middle of Hanukkah. How do you like that? 24 degrees, 68% humidity, winds are west. At 6 miles an hour, sunshine today with a high of 35. Then tonight, mostly clear, low 23. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy and a high temperature, 35 degrees. 62 in Yerushalayim, we're at 24. Wow. 24 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Hey, congratulations to the Yeshiva University Maccabees. The men's basketball team has won another one. It's 12 in a row for the men's basketball team for Yeshiva University. Pretty amazing, huh? Uh, they um, they defeated uh, Moravian College yesterday in Pennsylvania on the road, and now they are off until the 22nd of January. The 22nd of January will be the uh, next time Yeshiva University's men's basketball team plays. Can they continue the winning streak at that point? We'll see. We certainly hope so. Malcolm Honline joins us an hour from now. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll do the weekly update coming up. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15 with Parshas Vayeshev. Wrapping up at 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, table for two with Naomi Nachman includes Ellie Rosenfeld, of Joseph Jacobs Advertising, discussing the history of kosher advertising. Shani Seidemann of Manischewitz will discuss Hanukkah products. That's coming up at 9 a.m. At 10 a.m., the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Erev Shabbos music mix coming up, of course, all day long. Harry Rothenberg video blog tomorrow night. Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler uh, with the Saturday Night Seagull. And Sunday morning, Matis hosts JM Sunday for an Erev Hanukkah from 7 until 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. So, so much happening, so much going on. We're on the road in December. In fact, we'll be at Heichal HaTorah in Tinek. We'll be at Yeshivat Heichal HaTorah in Tinek for the dedication of the Rosazada Beit Midrash this coming Tuesday morning. JM in the AM in Tinek this coming Tuesday morning. Thursday, live lunch coming up on Hanukkah from J Drugs on Avenue J in Brooklyn, New York. On the road all December, brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms. I will be there today shopping at uh, Casino Boulevard in Flushing, Aaron's West Orange on Eagle Rock Avenue in West Orange, New Jersey. Lots of uh, lots of products, everything under one roof in both uh, locations um, in terms of everything you need for the uh, holiday of uh, the holiday of uh, Hanukkah. Everything there. 
at Aaron's in the Teaneck and Aaron's in, uh, excuse me, Aaron's in Queens and Aaron's in West Orange, New Jersey. So we got the news this morning that uh, Lenny Solomon and his wonderful wife are grandparents, Mazal Tov. The king of Schlock now has an even larger contingent, uh, what's the word, constituency. <laughs> an even larger um uh, An even larger constituency. I'm trying to see the 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 message from Lenny. Here it is. Uh, at 9:42 this morning on the 22nd of Kislev, uh, Lenny's oldest daughter Ayelet gave birth to a baby boy. Mazal tov to the Pollux and the Solomons from all of us here at JM and the AM. Wonderful, wonderful news, and they will be uh, celebrating with a Chanukah bris. And uh, we say Mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Lenny and I were uh, texting earlier about how actually unbelievable it is <laughs> and that he is now a grandfather. Absolutely insane. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. More coming up. You are listening to, you know what we're going to do? Let's go to this. Uh, we'll go to this election from uh, Arya Kunstler that everybody is talking about uh, over the last couple of weeks as we continue on this Friday. Again, a reminder, an hour from now, it's going to be uh, Malcolm Holine, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us at JM in the AM.
Jam and the Am. Moshav Band with Hachad Dodi. Eitan Katz had Hualo Kenu. Aryeh Kunstler with Up Like a Lion. The Hanukkah anthem done by Cole Zimra and uh, Sam Glazer. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world the web and the Nahum and the Single Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galay Tal in the background to our news from Israel coming up. Getting set for Chanukah here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations will join us coming up at 7.40 Eastern Time for the weekly update. I'll have that for you coming up here at JM. I want to thank those who are commenting on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from JM. Galit Sal, Shalom Rav, Kanoam Avirami, Mashakurek Shav. הקרב על מינוי ממלאת מקום פרקליט המדינה נמשך. שר המשפטים אמיר אוחנה כתב לפני זמן קצר ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה מנדלבליט כי הצו הארעי שהוצא לעיכוב המינוי חסר משמעות. זאת לטענתו משום שאורלי בן ארי גינסברג כבר נכנסה לתפקידה לפני החלטת בגץ בנושא. כתבנו לענייני משפט יובל הראל מזכיר כי דקות ספורות לפני טקס חילופי הפרקליטים השבוע הוצא הצו שעיכב את המינוי בעקבות עתירת התנועה לאיכות השלטון. היועץ המשפטי לממשלה מסר לבג"ץ כי הצו צריך להישאר על כנו. היועץ המשפטי לממשלה פרסם חוות דעת הקובעת כי לבית הדין הבינלאומי בהאג אין סמכות לקיים הליכים הנוגעים לפעילות ישראל בשטחים. בחוות הדעת נכתב, רק מדינה ריבונית יכולה להקנות לבית הדין סמכות שיפוט, והרשות הפלסטינית איננה מדינה. חוות הדעת פורסמה כעת, בשל חשש מפרסום החלטה הפוכה של התובעת בבית הדין, נוכח הצהרתה כי בכוונתה לקבל הכרעה בנושא בקרוב. פרשניתנו הלל שחר מציינת כי היועץ הוסיף בחוות הדעת שהפלסטינים מנסים לדחוף את בית הדין להכריע בסוגיות פוליטיות אשר אמורות להיפטר במסגרת משא ומתן בין הצדדים וכי לא לשם כך הוקם בית הדין הבינלאומי. פעוט בן שלוש נפצע קשה כשנפגע ממשאית במועצה כפר ברה, סמוך כפר סבא. הוא פונה לבית חולים כשהוא מחוסר הכרה. מוקדם יותר, בקריית מוצקין, נער בן 13 נפצע אנושות מפגיעת כלי רכב. חובשי מגן דוד אדום פינו אותו לבית החולים רמב״ם כשהוא סובל מפגיעה רב-מערכתית. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר כי המשטרה חוקרת את נסיבות התאונה. איחוד מפלגות בגוש הימין, הבית היהודי ועוצמה יהודית, הודיעו כי ירוצו ברשימה משותפת בבחירות 2020. ראשי המפלגות, השר רפי פרץ ואיתמר בן גביר, סיכמו ביניהם על ריצה משותפת גם בבחירות הקרובות. בהודעה משותפת קראו ליושב ראש האיחוד הלאומי, חבר הכנסת בצלאל סמוטריץ' ומפלגתו, לאחד את השורות ולהכריז על ריצה משותפת עם השניים. כתבנו הפוליטי מיכאל האוזר טוב מוסר כי בכחול לבן תקפו את האיחוד ואמרו מורשת כהנא חי בדרך לכנסת ישראל 
רק בשל מצבו המשפטי של נתניהו. מזג האוויר, הטמפרטורות תרדנה, אך תמשכנה להיות גבוהות מהרגיל לעונה במהלך סוף השבוע. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת וישב, שבת מברכים לחודש טבת. בירושלים בארבע ושלוש דקות, בתל אביב בארבע ושבע בחיפה בארבע ושבע דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע עשרים ושתיים דקות. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בירושלים בחמש ותשע עשרה דקות, בתל אביב בחמש עשרים ואחת, ובחיפה בחמש ושמונה עשרה, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת בחמש עשרים ושלוש דקות. לכל מאזיננו, שבת שלום. אלה החדשות שעורכים עידו דוד כהן ועופר צ'יזי.
Jam in the AM. Leif Tahar with Birchas HaChodesh. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Teves will be on Shabbos and Sunday. And uh, there they are with uh, Chaim Shal Shalom. Birchas HaChodesh at JM in the AM. Yeah. Every time I think of that song, I think of Lobo. Lobo Chaim, Chaim Lobo Silber of blessed memory. Hard to believe he's not with us anymore. Nine minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. It's JM the AM candlelighting at 411 here in New York. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev. We have uh, the weekly update coming up here at JM in the AM. We'll do that for you. couple of things. First of all, um, uh, don't forget that the um, Ceres wig sale is this coming Sunday. Those of you near Teaneck, New Jersey, those of you anywhere who want to come to a uh, an amazing sale, Ceres Wigs of Teaneck is having a special Hanukkah sale this coming Sunday from 9 a.m. until 12 noon at 634 Cumberland Avenue in Teaneck. Phone number 201-694-5319, 201-694-5319. And uh, there'll be Shatel's Falls, Keepa Falls, Pony Wigs. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram, Ceres Wigs, S-A-R-I-S Wigs, for additional Hanukkah deals. They're different than other wig sales. They have a staff that's very hands-on, will help you pick out your perfect wig. So you should head on over this coming Sunday morning between 9 and noon, Series Wigs of Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, and they've been very helpful to us with the uh, with the Shetel uh, Gemach in memory of my mother. So we have tremendous Hakura Satov to Sari in Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, Malcolm Honline coming up, as we said, Rabbi Yudin, of course, at uh, 8.15 this morning with the discussion about Parshas Vayeshev. A um, lot of brand new music out there, as we know. And this is the uh, most tour that Ruvain Garber sent us recently. And a lot of people are starting to request it. It's brand new. And uh, we have it for you right here at JM in the AM.
Brand new David Lowy, Friday morning Arab Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Well, Dr. Fagi Zakheim is with us live via telephone. One of the times recently when we discussed fromdivorce.org on the air, uh, someone followed up and it really was a life changer for them. So everybody out there, listen carefully. If you are involved, if you're part of a divorced family, or if you know people and children especially who would benefit from the organization, listen very carefully. They have a big event Coming up on Monday night, Dr. Fagi Zakheim, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nechem. It is so exciting to hear your voice. And it's so exciting to come on with really good news in these difficult times to come on and say we're having a party. It's going to be a great party. It's the little kids, children that are from divorced families, and they're going to have a great time. They all walk away with a present, and there are activities there, and it's a whole science. It's just it's been going on. We've been doing it for quite a number of years. And they walk away like they feel like normal children. This has become their family. This consistency to it. You know, like every family has their special Hanukkah party. Right. The Seagulls have their party. The clients have their party. Everybody has their own private party. Well, these kids of divorce, they have their own private party. It's their party. They don't have to feel different than anybody else. They're all equal. They're all the same. And they don't feel stigmatized or shamed in any kind of way. The, uh, so it's a super wonderful party. The, par- the party is Le'ili Nishma, Shlomo Eliezer, and Rav Yaakov. And I want Fagi to address the, uh, uh, the difficulties that families in these situations have in just a moment. But again, if you are part of a, a divorce situation or if you know children uh, or adults who are, uh, who are in that type of situation, this is, a, this is something they're going to want to be part of. As Fagi just said, it is a celebration, and this coming Monday night, 6 p.m., there'll be dinner, menorah lighting, plenty of fun with special guest Chaim Kiss, who's great, for children aged 5 to 14 at the New York Hall of Science on 111th Street in Corona, Queens. Information from divorce.org, from divorce.org. And, and Fagy, what I want you to just to, what I want, what I want you to address for a minute is that 
even though it may be obvious to a lot of people, they people everybody doesn't realize to what extent Hanukkah could be so challenging for families in these situations. Yeah, I'm so glad you, you're mentioning that because as you mentioned Shlomo's name, I'm thinking, you know, Shlomo was all about the children. He was all about children that had, were sick and had cancer and had really, really difficult lives, and he always made sure to make them feel happy. These children, they're healthy children. Thank God they're healthy children. But they have their own issues. They're, they feel shame. They feel different than other children. Yep. And this is an opportunity for them to be in a place, this gigantic auditorium at the Hall of Science, where everybody gets together, and they do Hanukkah lighting together. They sing songs together. It is so festive and so happy that you're just bringing happiness to all the children there. They love it. They get their donuts. They have pizza. I cannot describe to you what those three hours are like. There's makeup people that put on makeup for the kids. There's a photography booth. Benny is running around making everybody happy. The volunteers are running around and making all the kids happy. The parents are feeling. Now, that's another part. The parents are actually there. So it's a great opportunity for parents to feel like they have a support system there. Right, right. That, you know, because a lot of these parents, you know, if you're not married in the Orthodox Jewish community, then you're kind of like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you married? But over here, everybody feels happy and normal. It's really an opportunity for the parents to even meet each other and get support from each other. It's just a wonderful opportunity. And, um, you know, very often people in that type of situation, the parents especially, get the feeling that nobody really cares, or at least they never see a demonstration of care. And this is a great demonstration of care. Someone cares about my kids. Someone wants my kids to be included. Someone wants my kids to have a good time. So all that's really, really important. Um, yeah, that's a great word. It really is all about care and love. People really do feel like they're begin, being taken care of. It's such a warm atmosphere. And I'm really, I really encourage anybody who is from, in a divorce situation and has children that are divorced for them to call and for them to come. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift from us to them. And I'm going to be there. And it's very positive. It's just a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere. And I really congratulate Benny. I congratulate Mass, Rukama Clapman, who's always on board with helping people. And our task force, of course, the whole coalition is so supportive of these families that are going through difficult times. And, and we're there for them. And we, we really do care. I like that word, Bethlehem. Thank you so much. We really care. So come, it's Monday night. It's a great party. I'm excited about being there. <laughs> so, so I'm really looking forward. Thank you, Nachum, so much. A Thank pleasure. Thank you so much for always being there for all of us. Monday, the word out. Monday night, 6 p.m. You got to thank Dr. Fagi Zakheim. You got to thank Cantor Benny Rogaznitsky, Chaim Kiss, Ruchama Klapman, all the people who are involved. FromDivorce.org is where you get the information. The party for the kids, 6 p.m. this coming Monday night with dinner, menorah lighting, plenty of fun. Uh, children ages 5 to 14, go to fromdivorce.org. The location of the party on Monday night is the New York Hall of Science on 111th Street in Corona, Queens. Again, fromdivorce.org for all the information. Dr. Zakheim, we never know where you're going to be, but we know where you're going to be this coming Monday night. I do, definitely do. <laughs> I'm looking so forward to it. I can't wait to get to the Hall of Science and be there with all these really adorable, fabulous little children. And these great families. It's going to be so much fun. Have I'm a, super excited. Have a wonderful Shabbos and enjoy Hanukkah. Thank you, Nachum. You have a great Shabbos too with your whole beautiful family. And my love to Stacey 
and to your whole family. Have a wonderful Hanukkah. Thank you very, very much. There she is, Dr. Fagi Zakheim, always involved in a great cause. As I said, everybody, you have no idea the ripple effect that this show has had when it comes to this category. Um, we have done many things over the years to try to help people who are in single-parent situations, divorce situations, and kids who are products of those situations. Uh, if you know somebody, we have a lot of people listening right now, if you know somebody who has kids between the age of 5 and 14 and they are divorced, recommend they come Monday night to Queens, to the New York Hall of Science. Recommend it to them. Get the word out with us because uh, they will feel like they will feel so much more that they belong in the community and so much more that people care and people do care the people who are running this care a lot um information from divorce.org the event is 6 p.m monday night new york hall of science in corona queens again from divorce.org for all the information from divorce.org and if you would see the seriousness with which fagy Cantor, Benny, and everybody who's involved takes this, you would see just how sincere an effort it is. It really is so beautiful. So try your hardest. New York Hall of Science. And again, try your hardest for one thing, to spread the word to someone who you know is in this situation. If you know somebody who is divorced and they're in a situation where they have children who are young teenagers or anybody from 5 to 14, recommend it to them and and uh, and let them know it's an amazing way to to get more involved in the community in a way that they're going to feel very, very comfortable. Friday morning broadcast, plenty more coming up here at JM and the AM. A reminder, Malcolm Honeline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations, is going to join us. He is um, going to do the weekly update with us coming up. Meanwhile, Ben Sion Schenker with Hanero Salolu at JM and the AM. Be here. 
Jesus, the Mi 
J.M. in the A.M. Yeshiva Boys here on a Friday morning air of Shabbos. I got to thank listener Daniel. He just uh, he posted, first of all, that AJA Carpool number 255 is signing off for winter break. I'm assuming they'll be back after the first of the year. Wishes us a Shabbat Shalom and a Freilich and a Hanukkah. And wishing Nechama to the Gold Samler family. And uh, I'm so glad he mentioned it because, uh, in fact, I was just reading some of the texts that Beth sent me uh, while we were doing Yom Y show this past summer. It is hard to believe that uh, Beth is gone. And uh, to um, to the Gold Samler family in the West Orange, New Jersey, to Carol and to uh, Barry, of course, and and Brad and the entire family, we say uh, that we uh, remember her fondly as everyone else is remembering her. Um, I don't think anybody's over the shock of her, uh, passing this week. And, um, she was such a, just such a special person to so many people. So we remember Beth on this uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, uh, her funeral took place yesterday. And again, may the gold Samler family be comforted among the mourners of Zion and Jerusalem in the aftermath of this, uh, of this a terrible episode. Um, I also wanted to mention that uh, it's no secret that um, that uh, among our dearest friends here, both personally and professionally, are the uh, is the Arf family. Uh, the Seagulls and the Arfs go way, way back, and have been very close for a long, long time. Uh, the Nasi that I always refer to on the airs, of course. Uh, Ephraim Arf, uh, the president of our beloved Mizrahi. And uh, his mother-in-law, Arlene's mother, uh, passed away, and the funeral will be taking place this coming Sunday in Cleveland, Ohio. So to uh, Arlene Arf and the extended Porat family, I just wanted to uh, extend our condolences. Mrs. Porat was a very special person who we always loved uh, seeing when she came by the New York area. And... Um, our condolences on her passing from all of us here at JM in the AM. More coming up, including the weekly update. Malcolm Holmline will join us. Candle lighting 411 here in New York on this era of Shabbos. A little bit more from the Yeshiva Boys Choir. And then our weekly update coming up at JM in the AM.
JM and the AM with... I think we can call it a Hanukkah classic at this point, right? Shiva Boys with Daddy Come Home. Candle lighting at 411 on this Arab Shabbos Parshas by Ashev. That's candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. On the road next week and through the entire month of December, brought to you by our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms on Casino Boulevard in Flushing, New York, and Aaron's West Orange on Eagle Rock Avenue in West Orange, New Jersey. We'll be at uh, Yeshivat Heichal HaTorah in Teaneck this coming Tuesday morning with JM and the AM. Dedication of the Rosazada Beit Midrash. Thursday, in the middle of the day, we'll be in Flatbush at J Drugs on Avenue J for a Hanukkah live lunch between 11 and 1. Make sure to join us on the road during the month of December. Brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms of Flushing, Aaron's West Orange, and West Orange, New Jersey. Hey, if you want to print out and then read uh, hundreds of articles about Israel and the Jewish world over Shabbat, guess what? If you want to print them out before Shabbat and read them over Shabbat, go to jewishworldreview.com. That's jewishworldreview.com. And there you'll find uh, an incredible resource, or an incredible source, I should say, uh, for so many um, uh, great articles written about Israel and the Jewish world. Check it out today. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. Appreciate that. Well, in light of what happened at Indiana University, in light of what happened in California, there's been an arrest, by the way, in that case, in light of what happened in Jersey City, where the uh, member of the Board of Education has justified the shootings that took place last week, uh, what could you tell us this week about the state of anti-Semitism in America? It's certainly alive and well, and we've seen more incidents uh, of anti-Semitism, although I have to say that there were positive uh, developments as well. And one in particular is in the case of uh, Great Britain, which has adopted uh, under the new government uh, very stringent rules about participation in BDS-related activities, uh, essentially saying that all government ministries have to abide by government policies. They don't want independent uh, foreign policies uh, by different uh, agencies like Department of Education, Foreign Ministry, etc., and that they're all not to participate in boycott um, uh, measures right. and that the... Um, uh, you know that they're going to be held to account for if they if they do, but the the um, nature of the uh, of the legislation is a, is such an important message, and even alludes to the fact that it leads to anti-Semitism and and uh, actions against Jewish students. So it's quite a remarkable uh, first step, uh, and I think another important thing that that legitimized a lot of the concerns uh, about about BDS and the, the recent book, Terrorists uh, in Suits, uh, where there was an arrest this week of a leader of the PFLP, the head of their operations in the West Bank, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, which is a terrorist entity, and Khalida Jarrar was also uh, the vice chairman and director and board member of Adamir, which is a, the, one of the key BDS organizations and seminal organizations uh, of BDS, and it shows, and only one example of the overlap between terrorist organizations and the BDS, and that they are part of the operational leadership 
which is something that we've been trying to get the, the message out about. But here you have a very dramatic uh, example. And half of Adamir's current and former employees and their lawyers have links to the PFLP and others with ties uh, to Hamas. So it's a, it's a very important message, and I hope it will get picked up, and I hope it will be picked up here in the United States you know, uh, as well. Just back for a second to Boris Johnson. He, I mean, he was elected less than a week before he made this announcement about the BDS situation. Um, and I know that we as a community you know, always feel this should be at the forefront. I get that. But didn't you find that unusual, that one of the first things he's doing after this election is, you know, declaring what he plans to do policy-wise regarding BDS was that somewhat of a surprise? It, it was, but it was. Uh, it's a long-held position of his, and uh, consistent with the things that he said he would do. Uh, I think another sign of it is the visit, the official state visit by uh, Prince Charles, the first state visit by a British official to Israel, and to, he's going to the West Bank as well. But the fact that you have an official visit being paid, and that need requires government approval, uh, I think is, a, is another one of those important declarations um, that are coming out because of the uh, positions that he's taken. He certainly uh, started moving right out of the box with uh, on, on a lot of different fronts, consistent with, with uh, what he had yeah. said he would do. So an extra bonus for those who... Um campaigned for him because they were intolerant of the anti-Semitism of some of the others. Uh, an extra bonus with this BDS, although frankly, <laughs> some who campaigned fearful of the anti-Semitism of the others may, may not be that happy with his with Johnson's approach to BDS, but that's a separate story. Uh, I, I, I would hope that most people uh, who were supporters of his uh, on the conservative side are, are happy with the fact that he's uh, making this an important part of his policy. Well, I think, I think it's safe to say that... Uh that they are very happy, and it's one of the reasons why, certainly in the Jewish community, he got uh, more support, let alone Corbyn's uh, anti-Semitism, and it's a chance for the Labor Party now to rebuild in, in a different image, if they if they can, and uh, get away from the, the burdens that uh, Corbyn uh, placed upon them with his uh, bigotry and anti-Semitism, and, of course, some of the other policy is espoused. It's, it was a landslide victory. And that is, of course, always an important message. And I was glad you brought up the whole uh, BDS slash terror connection. Uh, what do you think of the U.S. Treasury Department sanctioning this art dealer uh, for allegedly using his gallery to fund a terrorist group? Well, we are seeing that the administration, uh, Treasury Department, others, uh, state, are uh, taking this sanctions regime very seriously. They, they just imposed new sanctions on Iranians. Um, and they're going after those who aid and abet. It's not just the terrorists who are, who are being sanctioned. But when you start going after those who supply the weapons to Hezbollah, those who facilitate, you know, the fact that Mahan Air, which is a major air carrier and was being used to ferry troops and weapons to Lebanon and to Syria, um, the, the uh, national um, uh, shipping carrier, mm -hmm. uh, that all of these guys are being uh, are being sanctioned for, for what they did it is a very important statement. You know, they, they play up the fact that the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Um, talked after uh, 
recent dis- discussion in, in the United Nations Security Council yesterday and where the Iranian ambassador made this uh, heartfelt plea for a girl who died because she wouldn't get medicine right. and blamed the U.S. sanctions. And right. people were wondering whether this was a signal of something new or was it just simply the ambassador's decision. But at the same time, you see that they that they um, um, uh, keep imposing these uh, more and tougher and tougher sanctions, which are having an impact. It's not something you see as you do when a bomb explodes, but it's believe me, it is an economic bomb and has tremendous uh, impact. And uh, the more that we can uh, discourage people from doing business, and they are desperate. For, for business, they, I know that uh, Iran is um, is doing stuff in Venezuela, and so is Turkey, by the way. Uh, but they they're having harder and harder time affording the things that they did before. Obviously, the people of Iran pay the price because they uh, the government diverts the money both to themselves and to their adventurous activities, uh, and we, we've seen more adventurism on the part of Iran, and I might as well just uh, uh, mention it, that, you know, that, that 20 IRGC, Iran Revolutionary Guards vessels, uh, started harassing the the Lincoln, the USS Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, which is an aircraft carrier, and its group. Uh, it's a strike group that patrols in the northern Arabian Sea area, and they they uh, came within 400 yards of of the aircraft carrier. And that could easily lead to a, a very serious uh, incident. And they, they are uh, boasting about the fact that when Guterres, the Secretary General of the U.N., said that he couldn't identify the weapons used in the attack on Yemen, saying this is proof we were right, that it was the Yemeni's armies took, Yemeni army took responsibilities if they have the capability themselves to do it, and that it was against the Saudis and the UAE for their attacks in, in, inside of the Yemen. Um, and the, um, uh, they're saying that this exculpated them, and it shows you how what might have been just uh, an mention saying that they didn't have conclusive proof, although there seems to be more than enough evidence, uh, how it's misused and used. And, and they blamed, of course, the U.S., Britain, Germany, and the Zionist regime for, <laughs> for doing it. You know, this is, it has to be in there no matter what they do. But now they're still talking about taking further steps to reduce their commitment to the JCPOA. The Europeans continue to support them, even though they're working against them on every front, and that there's more and more evidence of you know their activities in Europe and elsewhere, that the fact that they can arrest people who participated in the strikes and sentence them to five years, and they weren't striking against the government, it was against back pay that they were owed, and yet we don't get the reaction from all the labor unions and supporters in, in, in Europe and elsewhere uh, for the people uh, in, in Iran. And it's the, the record is so apparent and so clear across the board about Iranian activities uh, and increasingly uh, aggressive activities. And by the way, it's true of, of uh, Turkey almost in a parallel way as well. Yeah. And as you said last week, they seem to be in a they seem to be in a head-to-head race when it comes to uh, these these areas of conflict. Um, and today, in one of your headlines, uh, Rouhani says that Iran is testing new uranium enrichment centrifuges, so it's not like that they are 
And, and I know that this they're is... They're boasting about it. Right, exactly. This is different. They're throwing it in the face of the West, and, and they're waiting to see, does the West re- react to it? Uh, uh, you know, we just mentioned Turkey. Look what Turkey's doing off the coast of Cyprus. They, shaped, they chased away an, Amer- an Israeli uh, oil exploration uh, ship, um, and they are challenging in the, the world by announcing that they and Libya are going to have a joint um, uh, maritime linkage, meaning across 400 miles of the Mediterranean, and that they're claiming this is their exclusive economic zone, which means that nobody else can drill there, and they're trying to block Israel from having its, the uh, pipeline to, to Europe. And, the, um, and of course, Cyprus, we know that they've sent also additional weapons uh, into, Cyprus, uh, into Cyprus. And most of all, they're letting Hamas outside leadership, meaning outside of Gaza, it's in Iran, and they are giving more and more orders for attacks in Israel from there, even though Turkey signed an agreement in 2015 that they would not allow the Hamas operatives uh, to be there. And that, uh, you know, it's in keeping with the Muslim Brotherhood attitude of, of Erdogan and, and the direction the country uh, is going in. Hamas, you know, which used to be funded by Saudi Arabia, now it's, it's, it, um, it's Turkey with, uh, I mean, Iran with a, a degree of Qatar, and now Turkey moving in, also in Venezuela, also in, in other places, because the markers aren't putting down. This is a member of NATO this is a country that has received assistance from us. They're talking about closing our bases there in Serlik, is a, a base with na- nuclear weapons. And the, um, uh, so there's a slew of activities, and, it's the, and the Europeans continue to close their eyes to all of these violations. They don't say a thing about what's going on. Lebanon now, where Hezbollah obviously is, is dominant, um, Hariri wouldn't run, so they, they're picking a new president that is not acceptable, it seems, to anybody. He's a professor, and it's not because of him, it's because it's being dictated, and, and the law they requires, the Constitution requires that he be a, a Sunni, and the, the president is Christian, and the uh, prime minister is, um, is Shiite. So we're seeing the destabilization, we're seeing that, that all of these activities going on and, and one more example, if I can. Sure. You know that the PA outlawed all LGBTQ whatever activities. They outlawed it. It's not a, a question that they have to go and uh, uh, address the specific thing. There was a planned gathering in Nablus. They outlawed it, and they're not. And they their only um, offices of their organizations are in Haifa and East Jerusalem because they can't have an office. Uh, inside, and they talked about the value to higher, the damage to higher values and religious and Palestinian ideals, etc. Where, where is the outcry? Where is the, the 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 all of those who are demonstrating on the campuses and stuff saying a word uh, about this? It's really amazing, and we see the double standard all the time being manifest. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSNF. Malcolm Holine is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Does it come down geographically to whoever ends up controlling Iraq? Because we know about the activities that the Iranians have had in Iraq in terms of uh, you know, moving troops in, etc. That's been one of the stories over the last few months that we keep hearing about, and you and I have discussed it. It, it, it. Could there be a time when whoever controls that border, meaning the border between Turkey and Iran, 
with you know some type of assistance or some type of infiltration into Iraq could be the key to a Turkish Iranian showdown. It, it definitely, um, it definitely could be. But there's another player. <coughs> Sorry, yesterday we learned that the Russians oh. have announced that they're going to put five hundred million dollars into the, the base in in uh, in Syria in Tartus. You know, I've mentioned this for many years about their activities there because they wanted they built a naval base, an air force base, but they've been targeting it for many many years. This gives them an outlet directly to the Mediterranean and a presence there, which enables them to have a greater influence in the region. Uh, and as you know, their investment in Syria is minimal, but their role is a, is a dominant one. And now they're building, putting in $500 million into a commercial port, so they will have control over what comes in and out and, and uh, be able to use it for their own purposes as, as well. But they're also planning, they said, a railroad across Syria and Iraq to the Persian Gulf. So it goes right to your point. This is a question of of dominance and and the fight over the border with Iraq. Uh, the Iraqi people are demonstrating increasingly against the Iranian presence. Uh, there's a fight over who will become prime minister there as well, uh, and a parallel in, in a sense the demonstrations in Beirut and in Baghdad, demonstrations against Iran. Religious leaders in both countries speaking out against the the um, Iranians, even Hezbollah. Uh, even I'm sorry, Shiite religious leaders, and the um, uh, the concern, U.S. concern, of course, and we've had more troops in Iraq, and we have a, a big investment there um, to to have stability there. It's an oil-rich country; could be a very important cornerstone to stabilizing the region. But it also is an operational base through against Jordan to Israel, which would open up another front um, and. Uh, which we are giving more money now to Jordan to to build the um, uh, walls around the country on, on the Iraqi border, uh, and as well as to give them uh, some more weapons. But the, the situation, you know, is never sure in in uh, Jordan. Well, I mean, true or false, Turkey would have to be out of their minds to take on a Russian-backed Iran in a conflict like you just described. Because I mean, the, 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 how would they ever match up with the firepower that 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 Russia could supply the Iranians with, in addition to their presence in Syria, in addition to extending the area that the you know the the potential battle would take place. Well, if the Europeans back Turkey, or if others do, and it's a member of NATO, they might have to. But uh, wow. I, they certainly wouldn't in Syria. Uh, but we've already had this play out. When they took over that area, it was against the uh, the Russians and the Syrian army. The Russians backed the Syrian army. Um, uh, Iran actually opposed it, but didn't, I think, actively intervene there because they're pretty extended already. The um, uh, so, the, so Russia sees itself as peacemakers, even though even though observers may think that in the end they really are aligned with one of them. They see themselves more as trying to keep the peace between the two of them. Well, they want to be the the key player, and uh, as such, that can be as a peacemaker or or war maker to to <laughs> instigate uh, problems uh, between the parties, so that they divide and and in that way maintain their influence. Look, they don't want the Iranians to dominate uh, Syria; they don't trust them. They certainly don't trust the Turks. There's a long history of animosity between Russia and Turkey, and Russia and Iran. And so there, it's a marriage of convenience right now. The Chinese are also becoming players in in the in the situation, uh, and gets but they do it very quietly. And to, um, 
as Syria has indicated that they want to be part of the belt, um, the new thing, the Belt and Road uh, structure that Turkey is building across the, the world, uh, half the world already, um, and the um, and so the conflict between the different parties and each one staking out their uh, their interests um, is, and you see now the the Congress, for instance, has adopted a bunch of measures of late against Turkey with very strong votes, including the recognition of the Armenian genocide, but more importantly, condemnations over the purchase of the S-400 and and other things, which has gotten Turkey uh, upset because they don't want to be under these kinds of uh, uh, of sanctions. And also in a vote of, I think it was like 300 to 120, on their actions against Cyprus that I, I mentioned. Uh, a real rebuke for them for, for their interference in the, trying to block the oil exploration, et cetera, um, so it, it, everything's at stake, and this is uh, something that become very explosive. Right now, Turkey is very involved in Libya, inside Libya, and came out and complained about the Russian involvement inside Libya and the fact that they have troops and, and uh, weapon shipments into, into it. Um, so everything is linked to something else. That's when I talk about the intricacies of the situation and how everything is interrelated. This is really a good example of it. Wow. Um, what about this uh, Iran Japan meeting? There was a meeting of their uh, of their of their leaders this week, right? Yeah, and Japan asked that they not continue to violate the JCPOA and that they should adhere to it. But Iranian officials are running all over the world. They they're desperate to break out of the isolation that the United States has put them in. You know, the Europeans are still working on Instex, and supposedly six more countries said that they would support it. But there hasn't been one transaction under it. And countries are not, and companies are not going to risk their ability to deal with the United States, the American uh, market, and access to the dollar for uh, to to do business in in Iran. So even though the government, the European government, supported, um, there there hasn't been um, on the ground actual activities that um, uh, would support that. And Japan certainly is not going to risk its trade with the United States and, and the economic dealings uh, for its involvement with uh, Iran. So there are a lot, there's a lot of talk. I mean, there is some effort, certainly the Chinese black market smuggling uh, energy, oil from and gas from um, uh, Iran, but it's, it's uh, minimal. Do you think the impeachment procedure and whatever length of time it's going to take is going to affect uh, the United States' ability to be influential as as much as it is in foreign policy? I do, uh, and I think I think for one thing it's a diversion. Uh, for another thing, you know, people are don't have, are unsure abroad about what the future is of the president or the system. Uh, can they rely on it? Do they feel that America will in, will come will be able to intervene if if everybody is preoccupied with? Um, uh, with the proceedings that are going on. And at the same time, America continues to function and to work in the region. But I, I've heard from leaders, that even this week, people came from the region who were expressing their concern about what does it mean and how does it impact and the longer-term impact of, uh, of this. Do you think the Democratic debates are discouraging world leaders from dealing with the United States? <laughs> Do I think one? The Democratic debate is discouraging world leaders from dealing with the United States. <laughs> my, my, my point being that, that— They admire American democracy. Do they? 
I hope so. Uh, the Republican Democrat, it doesn't matter. They know that America is strong. America continues. They want America to be strong. And even some of those who criticize this, they want America to be involved and be strong. And when America appears to be pulling back or is not visible in their activities, uh, I can't tell you how many uh, Muslim Arab countries uh, are concerned about it. Um, they want America to be engaged. It's the only neutral party. It's the only one that they that they can know. They know is not interested in their territory. It's not interested in exploiting them. That it it, it can play a positive role. Does the U.S. and/or Israel have enough negotiating power with Russia right now to uh, make a deal to get this American-born Israeli woman who was sentenced to seven and a half years for cannabis in her luggage uh, out of Russia? Well, so far, no. Uh, this is an Israeli-American woman, so right. both countries uh, theoretically should have an interest in in helping her. It's uh, it's terrible. She's been there for eight months. Um, Israel has been trying to deal with this in, in a diplomatic way without public manifestations. Uh, so far, it has not helped. They reconfirmed her sentence uh, this week. She still has some other appeals, but um, it's. Uh, uh, I know that the Prime Minister has talked to, to Putin about it, and uh, this was a setback for him, I think, when, when the, the Russians refused this week because he spoke about it at the rallies that he's going to bring her home. And he has been very committed to it and working on it. But the, um, the fact is that, that Russia uses it, is, is using it as leverage. There's somebody they want back, uh, somebody Israel deported to the U.S. Uh, from Russia uh, who is involved in hacking and some cyber warfare stuff. Uh, so everything becomes uh, a, a trading matter for Putin. So it is possible they may have the chips necessary to make a deal. Uh, I am curious, as I'm sure others are, about your encounters with Gula Cohen. I, I, I knew her. I, I can't say I knew her that well, but I knew her, and I had many times uh, we had meetings with her. Uh, she was, uh, you know, one of that the, one of the last of that generation of the leaders. She was very tough, very strong. You know, Tzachi Anegbi is her son, uh, the minister in the current government. Um, and reflects some of her views, but has, doesn't even have the fire that she had. She was uh, a staunch supporter of Begin, but she was she was very right and um, very strong and nationalist for Israel, and very consistent in that. I think she had earned universal support, even though some were critics of her, uh, for her determined stance and her principle and her love for Israel and standing up for the country. And one does not have to be in the highest position to have a role in changing history. That's no, Absolutely. She, she was a, a, a figure in Israel's history of importance. Uh, all right. Speaking of Israel, you know the topic. The topic is uh, March the 2nd, the Israeli elections coming up. It's now a week since we've discussed it. Is there anything new to discuss regarding the upcoming election? Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a steady topic. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, the... Um, you know, they take over the Knesset before an election, so the Knesset can't function. All the offices, everything is taken over by the elections committee. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the question is, does this prove after all this, this period now, third election, that maybe you don't need a government, maybe just let things go. Um, but obviously, it's, um, it has an impact. It diverts attention. It's it's uh, become the focus of, uh, of obviously the media, and until they resolve now that Likud has an internal challenge that they have to deal with, and everybody's polls, which will continue until the day before the election, and, and I think that they will continue to change 
on a regular basis. Uh, it, it, it's a situation in flux, and you'll have the legal maneuvering still going on. So it's going to be a, a question of the turnout. It's going to be a question of how angry people are. Will they punish anybody? Will the religious parties and the right is said to be stronger, and the left is said to be stronger? Uh, right now, blue and white leads, but even internally there, you see the, the differences. So uh, it's a it's a very long time for um, till uh, till we'll be able to say what the real impact is. I don't think any prognosticator is even willing to to say that it that it's over for Bibi. I mean, you'd think there'd be somebody out there that would really think that this is it, that there's no way he's going to survive this next process. And I don't think anybody's you know, out there willing to take that risk to even say that at this point. And, well, first of all, the question is, will he lead the Likud? And I think you know, they've, they've uh, um, eliminated a number of the people who were in opposition. But Saar has uh, mounted a, a challenge. And uh, Yuli Edelstein, the Speaker of Knesset, and Gilad Erdan, the Minister security and police and other things and strategic affairs have joined to join together to strategize and to respond politically in unison uh, which could be against Netanyahu or whatever they decide and a few members uh, of Knesset have come out in support of uh, Sar but we don't know what his real numbers are right now one has to bet that BB will retain control but the question is, will it be a fractionated party? Will they really unify? Will they make deals with he serves for three months, four months? Will they uh, promise to try to get an immunity platform through, which I think would lessen his determination to, to remain in office? Um, so it's, it's, um, it's going to be a, a very tough period, and the people become more and more disenchanted with the system, with things, and that's always bad for a democracy. Why did Angela Merkel feel it necessary to defend Germany's voting on Israel at the United Nations? Because she's come on, under a lot of fire. You saw that the parliament in Germany came out and demanded that the, by a strong vote, to, to get rid of the ban Hezbollah activities in Germany and putting the pressure on the government, which should have been moving in that direction. And we've seen a weakening in terms of, of some of the votes. Uh, and so she it's always sensitive, Germany uh, sensitive to the relationship uh, with Israel. But I think it will be increasingly less so. You saw that Mike Pence is going to be at the uh, Auschwitz liberation anniversary? Yes, so I think right now there are about 40 heads of state who will be coming to Israel for the 75th anniversary commemoration. (laughs) There will also be one in Auschwitz uh, on the 27th, which a a number of heads of state are attending. And then, of course, um, on uh, Holocaust Independence Day itself, uh, Holocaust Commemoration Day itself, After Pesach, um, there will be the uh, big events at uh, the Auschwitz, the March of the Living, and leaders come to that as well. So it is it is a commemoration. The question is, do they learn the lessons? It's not enough to come and shed crocodile tears over dead Jews. They have to come and commit to a living Jewish state, and that's why doing it in Israel and, and having these foreign leaders come, and of course the vice president being there is, is very important, um, to declare not just about the Holocaust, but never again means standing up against the rise of anti-Semitism today and that those states that refuse to stand by Israel and the Jewish people and don't take action against the anti-Semites will, will not get away with just, you know, platitudinal statements at, the, at a, a memorial. 
but are going to be that has to be matched with real actions. Finally, what do you think of uh, Pompeo's uh, tweet about the Zionism racism? Not not even a significant anniversary. It was twenty eight years since the repeal of the United Nations. What do you think of him going out of the way to point that out? I think it's very important, and um, uh, twenty eight years is a significant anniversary in the sense that it's a reminder. Because I believe that you can trace a lot of the things that we're witnessing today to the BDS, including. Zionism, racism being fertile ground for BDS, for many of the other activities. Uh, if you remember the fight then when, when pre- uh, later President uh, uh, Herzog, then a UN ambassador from Israel, yep. Herzog and Senator Moynihan stood up in the United Nations and tore up the Zionism, racism resolution. Right. And I organized a rally outside. We had a big conference there and... Um, uh, many important people participated, including uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, and the um, uh, the fact that it took 25 years to repeal it, the fact that the um, uh, world accepted this declaration, which said essentially that the Jews have no right to a state of their own, that uh, that any the Zionist movement in its very nature. And it's not the political movement, it's the right of Jews to have a state, it's the right of Israel to exist, was on the books for 25 years. And I think that he was mentioning it to point it out, to remind people in a time when rising anti-Semitism, that there are roots that's where the international community in the UN today, till now, again this week, passed many resolutions, I think seven or eight resolutions against the state of Israel. And while the votes may be a little bit less than in, in the past, but the fact is that the bias continues, and I think that his reminder and his mentioning it is very important because today, if you ask young people, they have no idea what Zionism racism was, and yet I, it still continues to impact their lives. And I love your point that if you, if you examine the history of BDS, that's an excellent place to start. I didn't even think of it like that, but that, that certainly gave a tremendous amount of momentum to anybody who ended up being a real BDSer. And the Russians and, and the Arabs you know, learned, worked in it a long time. And this, the language uh, came from from Russian sources at the time, uh, and and it wasn't just the, you know something we thought of at the last minute and just introduced. Right. This was part of an organized effort, a sustained effort for decades, to to isolate Israel and the Jewish people. Malcolm, I thank you. Have a happy Hanukkah. I assume we'll speak next week on Erev Shabbos Hanukkah. God willing, but just remember, Shalasanisim Lavaseno. We still have the miracles today. The state of Israel, the Jewish people, we have so many things to be thankful for. But the miracles don't happen if we don't appreciate them. Yeah, and if we don't work toward them as well. There's, a, exactly. there's, there's an input that we have in them. 100%. Thank you very much. Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. By the way, I mentioned Geula Cohen. I want to remind our listeners that Mayor Weingarten this coming Monday between 9 and 10 a.m. right after JM and the AM is not only going to be doing the Israel show, which he does each week, but he will include some of the retrospective and some of the historic uh, information about Gula Cohen and the entire uh, Likud, Cheirut uh, movement. Um, yeah, I put Likud and Cheirut in the same sentence. How do you like that? Uh, <laughs> that's happening between 9 and 10 this coming Monday live Mayor Weingarten on the first day of Hanukkah with the Israel Show. Make sure to be tuned in right after JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 411 here in New York. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayeshev. I wanted to mention, by the way, I uh, said this earlier, um, Sari's Wigs in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, has been extremely helpful to us 
um, with the uh, Shetel Gemach that uh, Stacy Siegel runs in memory of my mother. And I wanted to give a special shout-out again because they are having a uh, major sale this coming Sunday. Uh, Sari's Wigs of Teaneck, New Jersey is having a major sale 9 a.m. until 12 noon at 634 Cumberland Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, they're going to have Shetel's Falls, Keepa Falls, Pony Wigs. You can follow them on Instagram. It's Sari in the Teaneck, Sari's Wigs, S-A-R-I-S Wigs on Instagram. S-A-R-I-S Wigs on Instagram. They have additional Hanukkah deals there. And it's different than other wig sales because, as Sari always points out, she and her staff are very hands-on and will help you pick out your perfect wig. So check it out, ladies. Uh, it's happening this coming Sunday between 9 and noon, 634 Cumberland Avenue in Teaneck. The phone number for information is 201-694-5319, 201-694-5319. And again, I want to thank Sari in Teaneck for her efforts to help us, as many others do as well, but she does it to, a, to the nth degree. Um, with the gemach that uh, is uh, in memory of my mother. J.M. in the A.M. on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos with great pleasure. Oh, before we get to Rabbi Yudin, uh, I want to remind you that we're on the road in December. This coming Tuesday morning, J.M. in the A.M. from Yeshiva Hechal Torah in Teaneck. This coming Thursday at J. Drugs between 11 and 1 on Avenue J. in Brooklyn, New York in the middle of the day on Thursday. Again, Hechala Torah, Tuesdays, J.M. and the A.M. for the Rosazada family, Beit Midrash dedication. And then Thursday will be on the uh, on the Avenue, Avenue J. in Flatbush at J. Drug, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time for a live lunch. So come join us. And all of our own on-the-road segments during the month of December are brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms, 72-15 Casino Boulevard in Flushing, and Aaron's in West Orange at 629 Eagle Rock Avenue in West Orange, New Jersey, and we thank them. This time each of you Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayeshev. Parshas Vayeshev is one of those parshios that doesn't get easier from year to year. The big problem is how tzaddikim sell their brother. Um, and given that, Emir Tzashem, this coming Sunday night, we begin the Yom Tov of Hanukkah. I'd like to uh, combine the parsha and Hanukkah. And um, I guess let's begin with the parsha. Okay, um, as we mentioned you have in this parsha the sale of Yosef. Let's just take a step or two back to appreciate what's going on. If you go back to Parshas Lech Lecha in chapter Tesvav 15, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Hashem says to Avraham, Yodoa Teida, you shall surely know, meaning this is non-negotiable, that your children are going to be strangers in a land which is not theirs. And they are going to be made into um, slaves. And they're going to be bodily afflicted, tortured for Arba Meos Shana. 
for 400 years. And then they're going to come back to the land of Israel. This had to happen without going into this too much. Maybe it had to happen in order for us to be able to receive the Torah, in order for us to go from one master with a small m, namely a cruel one, Paro, to a loving master, namely Hashem Yisbarach. But it had to happen. How was it to happen? How was it that the Jewish people would come down to uh, Mitzrayim? So this, we see, is Rabos Machshavos Pulevish. Many are the designs of man. Vatsas Hashem Hisokum. But ultimately, it is the will of God that prevails. And so we have... Hashem directing history and bringing about that when the Jewish people will come down to Egypt, Yosef, as we're going to read next week, is going to be the viceroy. He's going to be the one who will provide for the family. The family will stay together. They'll have their own community. And so the process and the destiny of Jewish history begins in Parshas Vayeshev. I'd like to point out that in Parshas Vayeshev you have what I like to call divine winks. What does that mean? It means that you can see the Hashkocha Pratis, the divine providence, that Yosef unfortunately is sold by his brothers. And the Torah tells us what the caravan that was taking Yosef down to Egypt was carrying. And this is in chapter 37, Pasuk 25. Ugmalehem nos im, and their camels were laden with nechos utsri volot, various kinds of spices which had pleasant aroma, as opposed to the usual kind of uh, materials that were usually brought down, namely neft, itron, rechon ra, that which tar and other materials that had a foul odor. Why, says Rashi, quoting the Medrash, Vilozeh, namely for Yosef, Nizdamnu Bissamim, spices, Shloyuzak Meireach Ra, that he shouldn't be affected by the bad odor. Now I ask you, Yosef has just been sold. He's been ripped apart from his father, from his family, from his culture, going to a strange land, strange everything. And do you think that at that time Yosef noticed, oh my goodness, there are spices here, as opposed to foul-smelling tar? Probably not. You're right. However, later on, Yosef is going to look back 
at this moment and reflect and realize, ooh, something special happened for him. And later on, when Yosef becomes the CEO, the head of the gentleman who purchases Yosef, he works for Potiphar, and very simply, he becomes very quickly trusted, the CEO. He goes from literally what's called rags to riches the first time, and he, we know that the master's wife tries to seduce him. When he refuses, she turns the table on him, says to her husband that he tried to make advances to her, and here comes the next divine wing. The Torah tells us that in chapter 39, Pasuk 20, that Joseph is put in jail. What jail? Does it make a difference? Yes. He's put in the jail of Mekom Asher Asire HaMelech Asurim, the place that the officers, officials who work for the king, when they are incarcerated, Yosef was put <coughs> into that jail. And the Ramban on this verse picks it up and says, wait a second, why was he put in that jail? There were jails for different offenders, for thieves, for sex offenders. Why was he put in a jail that was for the servants of the king? Clearly, he suggests that this was done because his master favored him, liked him. He had to put him in jail because of his wife's accusation. But says the Ramban, It's a divine wink that in jail, who was he with? People who could teach him the ins and outs of the government. Who was he with? The opportunity to interpret the dreams, which he does at the end of the parasha, enabling him next week to interpret Paro's dreams and once again go from rags to riches. This is the parsha of Vayeshev, which has the divine winks. What is Hanukkah? Hanukkah is a divine wink to the Jewish people. The Gemara in Shabbos 21b tells us in answering the question of my Hanukkah. And interestingly, it is there that the Gemara only talks about the miracle of the Pach Hashemen. And I quote that beginning on the 25th day of Kislev, there are eight days of Hanukkah on which it is forbidden to eulogize or to fast. When the Greeks entered the sanctuary of the temple, they defiled all the oil in the sanctuary. When the Hashmonoyim dynasty proved victorious, they discovered but one undisturbed jug of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, but there was enough oil to burn for only one day. A miracle occurred, and they kindled with it for eight days. 
The following year, they established these eight days and made them a festival for praise and thanksgiving. There's so much to say, but let me just focus for a moment on one phrase, whereby we're told, Vetimu kol hashmanim. The Greeks defiled all the oil. Isn't that strange? They had control over the Beis Hamikdash. Unlike the Babylonians before them, unlike the Romans after them, that when they had control over the Beis Hamikdash, they destroyed it, the Greeks defiled it. What does that mean, defiled it? The Greeks were intelligent people. They prided themselves of their wisdom. They prided themselves with Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, and they were very happy to live with the Jews, who were also bright people that respected wisdom. But one thing troubled the Greeks, and that is the following. To them, wisdom, knowledge, was only that which could be understood by man. If man cannot understand it, that is not knowledge. Man is the ultimate decider as to what is and what is not knowledge. They believed in Seichel Enushi, the intellect of man. They did not accept Seichel Eloka, a higher form of knowledge which emanates from God himself. So the whole concept of Tuma and Tara, purity and impurity, is not based upon something logical. It makes no sense that someone who will wash and dress a dead body, which is a big mitzvah, which the Hebra Kadisha does, that after that they become Tomei, impure. And the only way you're going to remove that impurity is with the ash and the water of the Pora Aduma. This they could not accept. And so, what do we find? That instead of destroying the Beis Hamikdash, they defile the Beis Hamikdash. They intentionally went after, and knowing that they were impure, they intentionally went and made all the oil impure because they were against the whole idea of purity, impurity, etc., which could not be understood by man and his intelligence. And so, listen carefully, my friends, we didn't have pure oil. There is a concept in Jewish law that says that when the majority of the Jewish people are in a state of impurity, then tumor Hutra Bitsibur. Then the laws of impurity are overridden and dismissed by the majority of the community that are in a state of impurity. If 51% or more of the Jewish people are impure, Tomei, 
the laws do not apply. We learn this from Pesach Sheni. Therefore, we could have used impure oil. We didn't need the pure oil. But the Bach teaches us that we lost the base of Mikdash because we did not show true devotion to the base of Mikdash. We had a laxical, physical attitude towards it. Take it, leave it, not important. If you don't value it, you lose it. So we lost it. We showed that we wanted it back, and we didn't want it back with, quote, second best. We only wanted it back in the best way possible, so we weren't satisfied using that impure oil, tome oil, and therefore, as we kept on looking and looking and looking, Hashem therefore gave us, at the time of Hanukkah, that divine wink, the wink which showed the Jewish people that He was once again with us and that He was favoring our return to the base of Migdash. Now, I have to tell you, the Maharal writes a very important idea which we should know, and that is that our winning of the war, as we say in the al which is added in the Shemona Esrei and in the Birkas HaMazon, was Sarta, we say that at such a time, Hashem gave over Giborim Biyad Chaloshim. He gave over the strong into the hands of the weak. Rabim Biyad Ma'atim, the many into the hands of the few. And I mean many, and I mean few. There were really very few Hashmonoyim. There was no question that in a natural way we could not win. Our victory was supernatural. Tmeim biatahorim, the impure into the hands of the pure, Rishoyim biat sadikim, the wicked into the hands of the righteous, and Zaidim biatoske sorasecha, the malicious into the hands of the diligent students of your Torah. Now, the idea is that our military victory which was an incredible miracle, alanisim, which we say regarding the miracles in the plural, people could always rationalize. We had greater dedication. We were more intelligent. Therefore, the Maharal writes that Hashem gave us the miracle of the oil, which was hands down, very clearly supernatural to teach us that just as this miracle was supernatural, so too was the miracle of the military victory. But the best proof that this is so is that we know that women should be exempt from their Hanukkah. It's a positive mitzvah governed by time. You can only light it these seven, I'm sorry, these eight nights of Hanukkah. Why are they obligated? The Talmud says, They too were included in the miracle. Now what does that mean? 
they were included in the miracle of the oil burning in the base of Migdash? Of course not. They were included in the miracle of Hanukkah, of the spiritual survival of the Jewish people. What does that mean? It means that unlike Purim, whereby on Purim, if a Jew made no difference, he was observant, he was not observant. He kept Shabbat, he didn't keep Shabbos. He kept kosher, he circumcised, it made no difference. You were Jewish, like the Germans, Yemach Shemam. You were subject to, unfortunately, die at Purim time. Hanukkah, if a Jew said, I will not circumcise, I will not keep Shabbos, I will not, I will not, I will not, they were not molested. And so, women too, their spiritual life was threatened, therefore they celebrate, as well as the other opinion says that women are included because Yehudis, the daughter of Yochanan Kohen Godol, she was the one who decapitated the governor because they had that extremely immoral law that a bride had to go to the governor before her marriage. She went, decapitated him, and that began the military victory. And so on Hanukkah we celebrate Al-Hanisim, these two miracles, the miracle of the victory, the miracle of the oil. I just want to review very quickly and say that both men, women, children, children who have reached the age of Chinuch education are required to light Hanukkah candles. On the first night, one candle is lit, and on each successive night, another is added, until on the eighth night, eight candles are lit. Our custom is that each male member of the household lights. Okay? The Svardim have a different custom, one menorah per household. Ashkenazim have each male lights, and in some Ashkenazic homes, girls do light as well. Married women satisfy their obligation with their husband. The menorah is filled with either oil or candles, and since the miracle happened with oil, oil is preferable. The menorah is filled with oil or candles from, with the menorah facing you, the right-hand side of the person facing the menorah. You fill the menorah from right to left, and you light the candles, oil, from left to right. The menorah should be placed in uh, a window where it can be seen by as many people as possible. If your apartment or faces only the back and no one is going to see it there, then place it in the apartment in the house where uh, members of the household will get to see it. One is not permitted to get benefit from the light of the menorah during the time of the mitzvah. Now what does that mean, during the time of the mitzvah? The ideal time to light the menorah is from Tzais HaKochavim, which is approximately a half an hour after sunset. 
which is approximately 5 o'clock in the New York area. That is the ideal time to light, and when one lights, the candle's oil should be able to go minimally a half an hour. After that half an hour, you can blow them out if you have to leave the home. But there has to be enough fuel for it to go for that half an hour. You can light throughout the night, and especially nowadays, that if you are in a place where there are cars, people out of doors that can see it even at a later time during the night, you can light even late. You shouldn't wait, but if you have to, you can light and even later. And if there is going to be somebody up in the home, it is you can light even later. Now, ideally, somebody should be awake with you when you light. According to the Mishnah Brewer, you would even wake somebody to light. Others say that you can um, make the bracha or brachos uh, even if you are lighting it by yourself. The earliest you could light would be Plaga Mincha, approximately 3.30, 3.35 in the New York metropolitan area at this time. But if you are lighting that early, you can't light before that. If you were lighting that early, there would have to be enough candle oil so that it could burn once again till 5. 5 would be the time to light, and then till 5.30. So in that case there, at least 2 hours. We'll talk about Shabbos Hanukkah, please God, next week. If one lit the menorah and the menorah went out, uh, somebody blew it out, somebody opened the door by mistake, etc., one need not relight the menorah. Ideally, one could and should because they are um, a form of Persume Nisa. We are publicizing the miracle to quote unquote ourselves, our family, and to the out of doors. Sunday night, Emir Hashem, before we light the menorah, we recite three blessings Lahadlik Neir, Bracha of the Mitzvah of lighting the menorah. The uh, Sephardim do not say shell. Lahadlik Neir Hanukkah, Ashkenazim say shell. The second um, Bracha is Sha'osa Nisim Lagoseinu, thanking God for the miracles that he performed for us. And finally, Shehechiyanu, the um, blessing of thanking Hashem for bringing us, giving us life, that we can fulfill the mitzvah of lighting the Hanukkah menorah. If someone could not light on this Sunday night, so whenever they are lighting for the first time, they would say the Shechiyano. After the first night, when we lit with three brachos, each night we only say two brachos. Both brachos are recited after we, uh, excuse me, both brachos are recited before we light the menorah. After you've lit the first new candle, Sunday night after the first candle, each night after the first one, you begin the saying of Haneros Halalu, Kodeshem, 
whereby we are asserting that these lights were not lit for our utilitarian purpose, for our benefit. They are lit for the purpose of exclusively the mitzvah. We say alanisim both in the Shemona Esrei and the Bracha of Modim. Once we're saying thank you to Hashem, we continue and say thank you for Alanisim. And so too in the Birkas Lodelacha, we give thanks to you, Hashem, not only for that which is included there, namely Eretz Yisrael, Prismila, Torah, but we give thank you to Hashem for these miracles as well. All I'm going to say is that as we light the menorah and we say that God performed miracles for our forefathers stop and pause and ask yourself of the divine winks that have come your way most recently each of us if we just think receives these divine winks from Hashem and therefore by and Bazmanazeh, thank you, Hashem, for your constant divine providence that you provide for us. Wishing everybody Shabbat Shalom, wishing you a good Shabbos and a Freilacha, Lichtaka, meaningful Hanukkah.
JM and the AM most tour done by the uh, London School of Jewish Song. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev. Ah, got myself a cold. Candle lighting at 411 here in New York. 411 candle lighting time. Um... Coming up at 9 o'clock, right after JM and the AM, Naomi Nachman with uh, this week's edition of Table for Two. Naomi will have uh, Ellie Rosenfeld of Joseph Jacobs Advertising discussing the history of kosher advertising, plus Johnny Seidman from Anishevitz discussing Hanukkah products, all coming up between 9 and 10. The Arab Shabbat Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That happens at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Harry Rothenberg video blog on Parshas. Vayeshev is coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by the uh, Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix here at JM in the AM. So lots going on. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler tomorrow night, starting at uh, 9, 9 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow night. Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday. Matis with JM Sunday. That happens uh, every Sunday morning between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It'll be Erev Hanukkah with Matis this coming Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in. And, of course, Monday morning, first day of Hanukkah, we're here with our big Hanukkah selection show here at JM in the AM. So we're getting ready for the big holiday and a wonderful Shabbos Vayeshev all coming up. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. Yeah. 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week here at JM in the AM. We have another big week coming up next week. Hanukkah here at JM in the AM. Our on-the-road segments during December brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms, Casino Boulevard in Flushing, and Aaron's West Orange, Eagle Rock Avenue in West Orange. We'll be at Yeshivat Heichal HaTorah Tuesday morning for the Rosazada family Beit Midrash dedication. We'll be there between 6 and 9 Tuesday in Teaneck, and we'll be at J Drugs between 11 and 1 on Thursday, uh, which is what, the fifth day of Hanukkah? Uh, fourth day of Hanukkah. Right, fourth day of Hanukkah Thursday. Uh, that is when you'll um, you'll hear us from J Drugs in Brooklyn, New York. So looking forward to being on the road this coming week. Monday morning, I'll speak to you. All of our great weekend programming is coming up. Keep it right here. Table for two with Naomi Nachman is next. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend, and a great Hanukkah. Till Monday, Nachum Single reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs> <laughs>